everyone. Tom D'Antoni back in the cupping room at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason in Portland for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. You know, when I do these things, it's always nice to get to talk to people I've never met. It's just as nice to renew acquaintances with people I haven't talked to for a while. It's been years since I've talked with famed Irish fiddler Kevin Burke. He's still traveling the world, he and his fiddle. He's got a solo concert coming up on St. Patty's Day at the Alberta Rose Theater on Saturday, March 17. We'll talk about that, about growing up Irish in London, whether he was a mod or a rocker, and all things Irish fiddle. He's lived in Portland for decades now, and he's sitting right in front of me. Welcome to the Cupping Room. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm just fine. We're at the Cupping Room at World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th and Gleason, our benefactors here on uh, Coffee Shop Conversations. Um, we get the room and give you some coffee, and, uh, you know, they let, they let us have the room, and we sit here, and we do this. Yeah, I'm enjoying <laughs> the coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a long time since I've seen you. I know. It's at least a million years. Yeah. Maybe was two it, million. It, was, it, it, was it TV TV? We do TV. We did, TV, we did some we? TV, yeah, and we did yeah, yeah. Uh, we did a few radio things. Uh-huh. But it must Oregonian be. also. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Back when there wasn't or was wasn't was Oregonian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, it was always fun, and you were always on the road. Well, I'm still playing a lot on the road. Oh yeah, but. Um, I'm back in town now for a while, uh-huh. and my next excursion is uh, St. Patrick's Day, ah. solo concert at the Alberta Rose Theatre, and then I've got a few days in Hawaii. Whoa! So that, that'll be playing nice. Playing or, or, or playing? Or, oh. <laughs> yeah, playing with some friends of mine. That's great. Some Irish guys are going over there, and their singer uh, can't make the trip. So they decided to get a fiddle player instead. Wow. <laughs> how, how do you, how do you, pr- pr- um, um, what, what's your thinking about a solo concert? How do you prepare for that? What is your, what's your angle on it? Well, um, it all started some years ago. You know, I've been playing with Everything these started various, some years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing with these various mm-hmm. Irish groups mm-hmm. for many years. And a few years back, I... I started to wonder about all these Irish music fans Mm -hmm. that have come to Irish music in the last 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Would they be aware or would they have forgotten that traditionally this was typically a kind of a solo music? Like when I was a boy Uh learning... Um, those groups didn't exist. Really? And the, and the, the kind of arranged accompanist, uh, accompaniment to traditional music, uh, it didn't really exist. It was, it was mostly, I suppose, what you could call a cappella music. Really? You know? Wow. And that's the way I learned it. So I just thought, I wonder if people would be interested in hearing it the way I heard it. Uh-huh. And uh, it's turned out a lot of people really enjoy it. And a few years ago, I was asked to do uh, a solo show in Portland, and uh, it went really well. So then Mm -hmm. I was asked to do one last year for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And it went so well that immediately they said, and can you do it next year? Yes. Which is now. (laughs) Uh So here I am again. But you're not doing an acapella. Um, well, I won't be singing, but I'm playing it on a company. It's all on a company. Really? Yeah. It's just you and the fiddle? Just solo fiddle, yeah. You're going to sing, though? Well, I might sing a song, but I'm not really a singer. <laughs> so for well, comic relief, maybe I'll sing, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe not. What, what did last, the, the, the concert last year, what did you kick it off with? I, I structured it last year uh, like a geographical trip uh-huh. up the west coast of Ireland. Ah. 
because the various regions have varying repertoires and styles. So I started in the southwest and then moved north from there up the west coast mm-hmm. and ended up um, in Sligo, which is in the northwest, which is where my family came from. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, now, if you carry on, there's one more county which I mm-hmm. I didn't really get to, a place called Donegal. Um, my my tour my tour bus expired <laughs> when when we got to Sligo. <laughs> but that was the theme of last year's show, uh-huh. and this year um, I'm going to do something slightly different. But I'll make reference to those same uh-huh. regional qualities uh-huh. again. Uh-huh. Um, uh, do, you, do, you, do you kick it off with something up-tempo? Yeah. Um, last year, I, I uh, started off with what they call uh, polkas. Down in the southwest, they play a kind of a tune, two, set, two types of tunes particular to that area, slides and polkas. Polkas? And a, a slide is like a... A, a, a version of a jig, uh-huh. a type of jig, and a polka. What they call polkas are f- similar to reels or hoedowns, you know, in American oh, okay. parlance. But uh, again, rhythmically, it's not roll out the barrel. Different. No, it's <laughs> not. It's not what most people associate. It's not the Germanic type yes, of polka, yes. you know. Yash and Stan. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't do the chicken dance. To it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Hey, uh, is there is there a, is there a, a version of the chicken dance in, in, in the British Isles? I bet there is. Well, because they're they're all I'm over not the, aware of it. They're, they're, it's yeah. all over Europe. Yeah. Some, some, some of it's the chicken, <clears throat> some of it's the duck, some of some other. Um, but you're not aware of it. I'm not okay. aware of the well, dance part of it. But well, you're lucky. <laughs> I know. I know. There's an there's an Irish piece uh-huh. called uh, the Fox Chase. Oh yeah. And it's a, it's like a sonic description of <laughs> a fox being chased, and of course uh-huh. he's being chased through farmyards. <laughs> so there's chickens squawking and uh, cows and dogs barking, you know, donkeys scampering out of the way. Um, so there must be a chicken dance in there somewhere, I bet. You know, just to make sure. That's on St. Patrick's Day, the 17th of March, at Alberta March, Rose. Alberta Rose Theatre. All right. Northeast Portland. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me, right on the corner. Um, all right. I'm going to ask you an obvious question. Yeah. Um, because I, I, This is what I found one time. I sent, I sent a very young writer out to interview Peter Yarrow uh-huh. of Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't tell her what to do or anything. And she came back, and she asked the most basic questions about Peter, Paul, and Mary. And, and I thought, she brought it back, and I, went, I thought, first, my first thought was, oh, man. You know, my second thought was, this is, this is fabulous. Because an, an older, experienced writer who knows all the answers to the questions would never ask that. Yeah, they you know? skip over a lot yeah, of the basics. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, what's the difference between a fiddle and a violin? <laughs> well, the joke is about ten thousand dollars. <laughs> um, it's just terminology. Yeah. There's no difference. Uh. Um, the the fiddle suggests an informal approach, and the violin suggests a more academic approach. Uh-huh. But. I know lots of classical players who refer to their instrument as a fiddle. Yeah. And I know lots of traditional players who refer to it as a violin. So it's ah, ah. it's uh, it's not really uh, uh, a, there's not really a distinction. But the the, the connotation uh-huh. is that um, a violin is valuable and a fiddle isn't. But it's uh, that's a misnomer. Yeah. 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 Does a fiddle player improvise more? Um, do you improvise? I do. Uh, in the in the in the kind of strict meaning of the word, I do. 
but I don't improvise like a jazz musician would improvise. What do you I mean? Don't, I don't have a chord structure that I improvise upon. Uh-huh. I, I, I use the melodies uh, and... I put in different inflections and uh, mm-hmm. very small improvisations. Um, so it's it's a, it's a, it's improvisation, but uh, only barely. Huh. <coughs> it's, it's more like uh, a, a rephrasing uh-huh. of of, uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. of the tunes. Like the tunes are fairly simple. Mm-hmm. And fairly repetitive, so each time it comes round to stop it being repetitive, we alter it slightly, but we don't alter it enough for it to sound like it might be a different tune. Oh. You know? <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty. Uh, we stay uh-huh. within uh-huh. the parameters pretty closely. Right. Unlike a classical musician who would just play the same notes, yeah, the notes that are on that's the page. Where I, I mean, it's you know. We do improvise because we don't have a written document that we have to stick to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that way, we do improvise. But on the other hand, uh, it's not totally free form or as broad an improvisation as you hear in the jazz musicians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you compose, how do you compose? Um, I just uh, <laughs> I. <laughs> Play it by ear. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, I did an interview one time with David Friesen, the bass player, and he said, um, and I, I've quoted this a lot, so if you've heard it before, too bad. Um, uh, I don't think Kevin's heard it before. He said, sometimes I'll sit down at the piano and there will be a tune waiting for me. Yeah, 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 it's true, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I uh, I don't do a lot of uh, composition, but um, mm-hmm. I have uh, I've I've had that experience. I just this you know I I hear a little catchphrase, mm-hmm. and then I uh, try to extend it, and then try to link it, you know, double back and link up with it again, mm-hmm. you know, so. You hear it enough times that it actually works as yeah. a catchphrase, yeah. Yeah. and all of a sudden there's a tune now. You know? Are you still discovering traditional tunes that you've never heard before? You must have heard oh, all yeah. of them. Oh yeah, really? <clears throat> yeah, uh, it's strange. Um, uh, I would think you were the repository. No, well, <laughs> it, it, it it seems to go in cycles. Like there's a mm-hmm. body of work that's really popular. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. For a decade or so, <laughs> and then there are other tunes that get kind of lost, fall ah, out of favour, yeah. and then after ten or twenty years, they get resur- they resurface, uh-huh. become popular again, and also different archive material is is being discovered, especially now with the internet. Yeah, it's so yeah. easy to make uh, to reference things, uh-huh. you know, and there are people in Ireland. Uh, who've done some great work uh, collecting music from all around the country. In fact, mm-hmm. I, was, I was just uh, going through some of those things yesterday. Really? There's, a, there's a, um, an Irish traditional music archive uh-huh. that have a, a really nice website. Uh-huh. So I was going through some things in preparation for the, for the March 17th concert. Wow, did you find anything you might play? Um, well, that's a secret. Okay. <laughs> For now. The answer is no, yes. I, yeah, the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to tell me what. <laughs> but <laughs> the we yes. will hear that, and it'll, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be right there in the repertoire from now yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> you must have a very, very large repertoire. Uh, I probably do. I'm, I've never really uh, counted uh, uh, all the tunes I have, but... Uh-huh. Uh, I do forget things, you know. In fact, I remember just a few years ago, I heard a piece of music that I really liked, and I asked the guy who was playing it if he would mind playing it again, because I'd like to learn it. Yeah. 
And he said, sure, no problem. And afterwards, I said, where did you get that, by the way? And he burst out laughing and said, I learned it from you about 20 years ago, which was a bit of a shock and kind of embarrassing. At least it, it was, wasn't something you had recorded. It was funny at the same time. I don't think I ever recorded it. I don't know. I learned it off your album. That's funny. Well, sometimes I have to do that very thing, is go back sure. and get an old sure. album and read things. But isn't it, isn't, isn't it wonderful when you go back in the archives and discover something that, that you yeah. had done yeah. and you had forgotten and you like it? Yeah, it's great. It's yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that happens with. Uh, I'll, I'll go back and I'll look at and I'll find something funny I'd written. And it make it would make me and it make, forgot I, 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 I had written it and it, and it makes me and, and it still makes me laugh. Yeah, and it's like that's like yeah. oh, I like that's one good thing about about getting old. <laughs> the only good thing, but you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, you you grew up in London. Yeah. Yeah. So you you weren't born in Ireland. No, my. Both my parents came from a place called Sligo, mm -hmm. and after the war, they moved to London and settled down there. Um, and then I was born uh, in 1950, uh -huh. uh, in, you know, in, a, in a London that was recovering from the yeah. wartime. Yeah. And they were still uh, young adults, mm -hmm. uh, so both sets of my grandparents were still alive back in Ireland and uh, they would often uh, go home with their new baby uh, you know, show, showing the new child off to the, to the grandparents Yes. Um, and sometimes uh, when I was a little bit older when I was two or three sometimes uh, maybe one parent would bring me to Ireland mm -hmm. And then leave me there, and a few weeks later, the other parent had come over, visit her, his or her folks, mm -hmm. and pick me up and take me back. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time in Ireland when I was growing up, which suited me. I enjoyed it. I always enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was often sad about having to come back to London. Ah. Um, sometimes, of course, that, when I got a bit older... It meant going back to school, which oh, yes. was a bit sad as well. <laughs> you know. Actually, my school, my school uh, wasn't too bad. I'm not one of these guys that resented my school days, uh -huh. but uh, mm -hmm. it was always a bit of a blow to have to get back into the classroom after <laughs> six or eight weeks of rambling around fields and rivers. <laughs> <laughs> Did your parents introduce you to music? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They didn't play... But it, the, the traditional music was on both sides of the family. Mm -hmm. My father's father played, mm -hmm. and he, his mother's sister, his aunt, she played. What did they, they play? Fiddle. Oh, really? And on my mother's side, uh, my mother had an uncle who was a really great fiddler. Mm -hmm. um, so they grew up uh, with a... Uh, lot of enthusiasm for the traditional music and of mm -hmm. course when they were in England they realized how much they missed it ah. and uh, they you know they were very keen on, on going to places where they might hear some music or bringing musicians to the house mm -hmm. people would come from Ireland and often stay with us you know they just arrived and didn't know the ropes yet mm -hmm. They would often stay with us, and a lot of those people were musicians. So mm. I grew up in a house where there was a lot of music. Yeah. All the were time. your parents dancers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially my mother. My uh -huh. mother liked to dance a lot. Uh -huh. What would she dance? Old style traditional dances. You uh -huh. know, the, you know the river dance style of Irish dancing is quite modern, uh -huh. um, but before, we'll say the forties. Um, the typical dancing that you'd see in a house was what they call Shanos dancing. How do you spell that? S-E-A-N, I think. Uh-huh. N-O-S. Shanos. Gotcha. And it means old style. Oh. <laughs> Literally old yeah. style. Yeah. Um, and they, she would dance with her sisters and brothers and... Um, 
In fact, I remember when I was about 10, my mother was uh, with uh, her sisters and they were trying to remember a, a specific dance. And uh, my, my grandmother, who was supposedly not well at the time, yeah. she suddenly jumped up out of the <laughs> chair because uh, she was so frustrated watching these girls make a hash of it that she had to show them how to do it properly, which I thought was funny. This, this old lady who was supposedly not very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once the music and dance came into the conversation, she was up yeah. dancing like a... Yeah child herself you know <laughs> so that was kind of funny that was a, a kind of a dance called a shatish or scottish uh-huh. uh-huh. uh, an old fashioned dance you know um, and of course they had they had uh, different variations if there were two people dance dancing you dance the, the shatish or the hornpipe whatever in a certain way but if there were three people dancing, you'd change the figures to accommodate the third person. Huh. And, uh, so there was a lot of that kind of intricacy going on that I, I never learned much about dancing because I was always stuck in the corner playing for the dancers. <laughs> so so I, I'm, I'm one of those guys with two left feet. You know? Oh, oh. Yeah. So... Um, when did you start playing then? I started when I was about seven. Wow. Um, seven or eight. You know, I, I think I was, I think it was just a few weeks before my eighth birthday that I started. And I, I started, my parents sent me to a classical teacher who lived nearby, mm-hmm. thinking that she could teach me about the instrument and meanwhile I'd be learning about the music <laughs> because of the people I was hanging out with which is more or less how it happened you yeah know? yeah I uh, and and also my my music teacher even though she was a classical lady from an upper class British family she was really enthusiastic about me playing the Irish music as well Mm-hmm. You know, back then especially, there was a kind of a, a divide uh, between the the more respectable academic violin music, of course, and the more uh, ill-disciplined, yes. a little bit uncouth fiddle music. Uh-huh. You know? mm-hmm. um, so uh, I was lucky to be thrust into the arms of this woman who. Um, Embraced all kinds of music, uh-huh. uh, even the rock and roll of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember one of my lessons was delayed for a long time. Um, well, when I was a kid, it felt like a long time, maybe an hour. Yeah, <laughs> but she wanted to hear the new Who single. Whoa, <laughs> and uh, it was going to be played on the radio, and <laughs> she thought it would only it would only take a few minutes, but. They didn't play it to near the end of the show. So, uh, <laughs> Do you remember what it was? It was uh, Substitute. Huh. Do you remember that song? No, I don't remember that one. Um, I was a Who fan, but I don't remember I Substitute. I was born with a plastic spoon in my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> That's the opening line. But she loved the Who, loved the Stones. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she was probably in her 70s at that stage. And uh, like I said, a yeah. classical musician through and through. Right. But she loved this idea of kids making their own music. Mm-hmm. And she used to say, you know, they don't need us anymore. They're making their <laughs> own music, and it's fantastic. Yeah. And you know, that was quite an unusual attitude for so, from somebody in, with her social standing, yeah. and with her background, and her, with her musical education. So that was kind of I didn't realize at the time how radical that was but of course when oh, I became yeah, older because yeah. I've always I've always had that same kind of mm-hmm. broad spectrum of mm-hmm. interests in mm-hmm. music and I'm sure a lot of it came from being with her mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. 10 years or whatever how was rock and roll greeted at home my my parents were not exactly fans uh-huh 
But they didn't... Uh, they didn't want to break all the records. No, not at all. No, they didn't, they didn't disapprove of it entirely. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, um, I remember Bill Haley, when he, his record, when he, he became popular, mm-hmm. my parents were kind of intrigued. Um, uh, and then the, um, the, the Beatles, um, occasional songs, they weren't Beatles fans, but uh-huh. there were a couple of songs. I remember my mother, um, was, uh, she heard Help, the song Help. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, in a juxtaposition with, with, um, someone having mental problems. There was a documentary, <laughs> and this was the theme music. Wow. And she found it really moving huh. to hear it in that context. And then some of the American kind of folk play, like Doc Watson mm-hmm. and you know, the folk rock, the Eagles. I remember my <laughs> father really liked the oh. Eagles when they came out. Were, were you a mod or a rocker? Or was that, oh. bef- that, that kind of before you became a teenager? No, that was happening. Yeah. Um, musically, I, I think I was a rocker. Okay. But again, I straddled both worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, the Who were the kind of, uh, were the mod band at the time. The Who right. and the Small Faces. Right. Right. And I liked both of them. The Stones were the rockers band. Yes. I liked them yes. too, you know. And, and what about your appearance? My appearance <laughs> was probably more mod than really? rocker. Yeah. Wow. Ben Sherman shirts and the... Carnabishan? Knitted ties. Carnaby Street was <laughs> a little bit, uh, you know, the, the kind of garish plastic stuff yeah. and the caftans and yeah. all that. I never went that far. <laughs> um, I, I love that the Kings coined that term Carnabishan. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. No, the Kinks. I really like the Kinks. Everybody loves the Kinks. Really like There's the nobody kinks. that doesn't like the Kinks. I'm and sorry. Again, you see, that they, they were... Um, the appearance was definitely very mod. Yeah. But the music was a lot closer to the rocker. Absolutely. They, had a, they had a little bit of everything. So they straddled And you know, they, you know what I was saying? They had a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot, too. So how did that fit in with your fiddle playing? I mean, okay, you, you brought along your... The, this is the latest record, right? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, and um, uh, the, the Pound Ridge Sessions with you and John Brennan, John Brennan guitar mm-hmm. And you've got... And Almond Brothers on here. Yeah, yeah. So, have, have did you do that? Did you, was it kind of a synthesis all, all along for you? Yeah, you know, uh, I was going to my music lessons twice a week. Mm-hmm. That was all classical music. Then I'd come home, and there'd probably be, if there was a musician in the house, it'd be Irish music they yeah. were playing. Or records. Uh-huh. My parents might be playing records or tapes of Irish music. And uh, then when I went out with my school friends, it was to see the Kinks and Manfred Mann and people yeah. like that. Yeah. And then when I was a little bit older, you know, when I was maybe 15, 16, I discovered a place called the Marquee Club in London, mm-hmm. which I usually would go to on Friday nights because it was uh, a little bit late for school the next day Um, and I think Friday night was their blues night so I got to see I remember 10 years after Mm -hmm. Jethro Tull Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Cocker Mm -hmm. um, on a regular basis they'd be playing in the Marquee Club Mm -hmm. and it was a fairly small place you know maybe I doubt if they would hold 200 people. Wow. Um, and to see all those bands in their kind of formative years was great, you know. But then on Saturday night and Sunday afternoon, I'd be back with the Irish sessions in the different pubs around London. Wow. So it was a constant uh, change, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the rock and roll... Um, didn't interest me uh, vocally. The, the songs I found very bland. Yes. And, you know, yeah. not very interesting. <clears throat> so when 
when Bob Dylan came along, of mm-hmm. course, that all changed. Yeah. Now he was he was portrayed as the brand new thing. Right. And when I heard him, I yeah. thought, this doesn't strike me as new at all. This is kind of what I'm used to. Right. Not long, yes. mysterious ballads. Yes. And, yes. You know, some of them make sense and some of them don't. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, mm-hmm. that was uh, completely what I was used to. Right. And then when Hendrix came along... I, I, I was intrigued because he was an instrumentalist. Yeah. The, 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 the lyrics were just a vehicle for his playing. Mm-hmm. That's the way I felt, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I became fans of both of those guys. Uh, and also through the visits to the Marquis, I, I was hearing constant references to traditional blues. Uh-huh. So I checked out some of the, you know, if someone say I'm going to do a lead belly song, I mm-hmm. think, well, I, I, let's hear lead belly do it. Um, so I, um, I started to pay attention to it because the, the blues was very popular in London in sure. the 60s. Sure. People like Clapton and yeah. John Mayle and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the fellow, who, Mick Taylor, who joined us, like Peter Green, of course, yes. all these great players. Right. So um, I would enjoy their music, but also I thought, well, where did they get it from? So I went back to kind of trace some of the mm-hmm. music that they made reference to. And again, it was a traditional, right. the traditional aspect yeah. appealed to me as much as the you know, this new music, you know, I, I was very intrigued that you could trace this back to the 30s, 20s, mm-hmm. even before, mm-hmm. just like a lot of the music I was playing. Right. So I, d- I didn't really find it was that incongruous. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. I could, he- I could hear the Kinks' new record, mm-hmm. and I'd be thinking, oh, part of this is from uh, Elmore James, or, uh, yeah. you know, part yeah. of this is... They've obviously... One of, the guy, one of the band obviously has a Muddy Waters record. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Um, and it kind of... Uh, it just added to this sense of music being uh, uh, a worldwide phenomenon that's always there. Mm-hmm. Just like language, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, you have different different accents, and you have different uh, different languages, mm-hmm. but uh, everyone's trying to communicate as best they can, mm-hmm. whatever your accent or language. And yeah. I felt music was much the same. Yeah, there was always so much made of black black American music being played in England. I mean, in, in Great Britain, but you never heard anything. Of, uh, at least we didn't over here. Any any people from Great Britain complaining when Joan Baez sang child ballads? <laughs> <laughs> hey, she can't sing that stuff. That's I mean, really, and that's that's the same thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I, I I think um, uh, in Europe. Those old ballads. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're just that a bit aware that they travel. Like mm-hmm. a, there are Irish songs and Scottish songs and English songs, and you know, if you listen to the different versions, you you find out that Jack O'Shea in the Irish song is you know is. Jack uh, Wilson in the English song, and <laughs> the tune is slightly different. You mm-hmm. know, Jack Wilson in the English song might be a sailor because Britain mm-hmm. was a maritime country. Yeah, uh, and, and he and might turn into Stagger Lee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, in the Irish song, he's probably a farm worker because yeah. Uh, yeah. Ireland's maritime history is yeah. much smaller than Britain's. So. And those songs were interminable. Because they weren't restricted to two minutes and thirty seconds of vinyl. Oh yeah, or very, whatever yeah. Of, of shellac, and, Com- you know, yeah, uh, completely. You know? yeah, it's funny. Yeah. yeah, and 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 some of them were built to have this kind of epic quality. Yeah. They were like yeah. like the classic poems from sure from the Greek mythology and all sure. that. You know, sure. some of them some of them would go on for twenty, thirty, forty verses. You know. <laughs> um, so were you in rock bands? Uh, no. Really? No. 
there were there were just a, a, a smattering that used that used uh, used violins or fiddles. Yeah, I mean, I remember there was a band called East of Eden mm-hmm. that had a fiddle in it, and there were a couple of I listened to Stuff Smith and mm-hmm. uh, you know a few. Uh, Electric violin, Sugarcane Harris. Yes. Uh, yeah. um, Papa John Creech. Yeah. Um, but it never really, it never really fired me up. Ah. You know. Yeah. I, when it was electric, it sounded like a, a kind of a, a, a mini electric guitar. Gotcha. Like if you, yeah. If you want to make it sound like that, you'd be as well off getting a guitar and yes. <laughs> going the whole hog. And, uh, you know, the fiddle, it's a uh, different, different kind of a... Pro- and, of course, all my fiddling influences, yeah. like I was saying earlier, yeah. was this uh, solo music, kind mm-hmm. of quiet, mm-hmm. intimate, yeah. subdued. Yeah. It wasn't uh, concert hall music right. at all. Right. So it was a different kind of purpose. Uh-huh. Yet, you're doing an Allman Brothers tune on this album. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when I met John Brennan, mm-hmm. his background is, uh, you know, he, he was from Southern California. He went to school with Bernie Ledden from the Eagles. He played uh-huh. with Chris Hillman for yeah. a long time mm-hmm. in the Chris Hillman band. He played in Poco. Um, so that's Southern California country rock from the 70s yeah. was his kind of background. Yeah. And, of course, his name's Brennan, so yes. there's an Irish connection. Right. And in later years, he got involved in the, in the Irish music, the Celtic music, and he wrote some things that, to kind of develop his sense of Irishness, you know, <laughs> and asked me would I be interested in playing on some of his recordings, and I said, sure. And then uh, we got... He said, would you be interested in doing some more of this? And I said, yeah, but I'd also be interested in playing some from your kind of era, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. repertoire, um, because uh, instead of kind of making uh, Irish music that's a bit rocked up, why don't we get some rock music and Irish it up? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about various things, and uh, there's, a, there's a great Irish band called Solace, mm-hmm. and uh, the fiddle player in that band is a woman called Winnie Horan. And uh, Winnie and myself one night met in Germany, and we were talking about... That Almond's piece, the uh, Jessica, mm-hmm. and what a great tune it was, and w- how great it'd be on the fiddle. Yeah. So, ten years later, I'm talking to John <laughs> Brennan, and I said, "You know, if we do this, there's one piece that we have to do, <laughs> and I w- and there's another fiddle player that I want to get involved." <laughs> uh, so we we called Winnie, and she said, "Sure, yeah." She came over, and we we recorded it. So that's, that's the story great. of that piece. But we, it's it's nice. It, it's it's a great song. Yeah, yeah. And so, we did something similar with the one, uh, with a Hendrix piece, "May This Be Love," oh yeah, from his first album. Mm-hmm. Over dinner one night, John and I were talking about things that we liked and remembered, and we both hit on this the 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 guitar solo in that Hendrix song, "May This Be Love." And we were both saying, oh, yeah, I love that. That's one of my favorite solos. I said, oh, me too, you know. So, right, we have to record this. We have to record this. So we ditched the song entirely, and we just took that, that, that guitar break, mm-hmm. and we kind of fleshed it out and treated it like a piece of, like a tune, an instrumental. <laughs> we fleshed it out, and then we, we put on Irish pipes and some flutes and <laughs> made it kind of orchestral. Yeah. And again... It doesn't sound anything like Hendrix, but you'd recognise it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it's a it's a great sounding piece of music, I think. You know. <laughs> How many violins do you own? I've got about four or five, but Is that there, all? there's only one that I play. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? Um, well, I don't like the others as much. Yeah. So I just play yeah. the one that I like best. Yeah. How long have you had that one? I got it in the year two thousand. Ah. 
The one I had before that was so old. How old was it? <laughs> I'd say it was from mid-1800s. Whoa. Um, but it was uh, where the neck meets the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of weak. Mm. And uh, I had it. I had it uh, reinforced a couple of times, but yeah. the last time I, I was told by a couple of makers uh, it won't take any more repair. It's oh, too. Uh, it's, it's time to get a new instrument, a more yeah. stable one. Yeah. See, when I'm travelling, you know, I, I could leave Portland here on a, on a wet day, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get off the plane a few hours later and I'm in Colorado, very yes. thin air, very dry. Right. And it, it plays havoc with the older instruments. So the, this friend of mine in Ireland, a Dutch man called Mick de Hoog, um, I went to see him on, when I was in Ireland and uh, I said, I'm looking for a fiddle, have you got anything? And he said, I've got one here, I, you might want to try it and see if you like it. And I did like it. And mm-hmm. I uh, bought that from Mick, more or less, right there and then. And I've been playing it ever since. Wow. And also, I was, uh, in the year 2000, I was 50. And mm-hmm. for my 50th birthday present, my brother, who's an excellent bow maker, mm-hmm. gave me a bow. So I got a new fiddle and a new bow in the year 2000. And wow. I've been playing both of them almost exclusively ever since did that change what you did that change your music at all um not not uh, drastically mm-hmm. um obviously the the voice of the instrument is slightly different mm-hmm. so i would imagine Subconsciously, I mm-hmm. alter things mm-hmm. to play to the strengths of the instrument. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it's not—it's not drastic. Mm-hmm. Do, you, is, do you get more confidence with a, uh, a more robust instrument? Well, this instrument has got uh, the, the old one had lots of little vagaries and little yes. weaknesses and. Mm. Uh, it was good fun, but it was a bit erratic. Yes. This one is uh, a lot more uh, reliable, mm-hmm. so it does give me more confidence. I can, mm-hmm. I can. Uh, I'm not. F- I'm. I don't have to think. Uh, I don't have to kind of hold my breath and think. Oh, I hope this works. <laughs> I know it's going to work, and if it yeah. doesn't work, mm-hmm. I know it's not the fiddle to blame. I know exactly who to blame, <laughs> <laughs> and which, about, is, which is very humbling sometimes. <laughs> and what what is special about your brother's bow? Well, he has, uh, you know, he's a really skilled maker. Mm-hmm. Um, he has uh, excellent wood, excellent eye, great feel for the for the uh, response of the bow. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a great observer of musician of violinists. He can see from the way they play what they need in a bow, mm-hmm. even if they don't know it themselves. You know, um, and he has a great uh, sense of design. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, in in the year two thousand. Uh, he was a really great maker, but mm-hmm. not very well known. Uh-huh. But now, almost 20 years later, he's, he's one of the few elite bow makers in the world. It must be wonderful for you to know that you're holding a bow that was built by your own brother. Oh, man, it's, it really yeah. is special. Yeah. In fact, I did a concert in Dublin uh, not long ago, and the man who made my fiddle <laughs> and the man who made my bow wow. were both sitting together in the <laughs> wow. audience, which is kind of weird. <laughs> How did that make you feel? <laughs> Well, it was exciting, but a yeah. bit nerve-wracking, yeah. too. You know, it was like, oh, this is... Uh, a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> a unique experience. Did they give you notes? No, they're very, they're very civil. They're very civil. They're, they're not... Uh, 
they're not uh, cruel enough to be scathing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so where are you heading for now? Uh, well, I've got my my week in Hawaii at the end of this yes. month. Hard to take. Uh, and then I'm going <laughs> to uh, Texas in May for about a week. Uh-huh. And then uh, there's talk of Brazil well. in, in July. Ooh. Uh, and then for the end of the year, I'm going. I'm playing with the Celtic Fiddle Festival in uh-huh. Europe in November. Uh-huh. I'm playing with two great singers in Ireland in October, um, Andy Irvin and Paul Brady. Um, we've got some concerts in October, September. I can't remember what I'm doing. Uh-huh. But uh, the first few months, like the. Spring and early summer, I've I've got a relatively light schedule, mm-hmm. so I've I'm compiling a a, a a concert CD from three recorded concerts, ah. and I'm also putting out um, a book of uh, pieces that I play, just a, uh-huh. a tune book. Uh-huh. Of uh, some of the pieces that I've recorded. When when will the concert CD be released? Do you think? Um, probably, I'd say September, October, later this year. Something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you teach you teach on, on online, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I. How is that? Um, well, again, I had no uh, plans to do this, but. Uh, Somebody suggested uh, um, a lesson via Skype. Yeah, and I was saying, well, I've I've heard of Skype, but I don't really know how it works, and you know, I don't know. I, I never thought about teaching yeah. via Skype, but I was persuaded into giving it a shot, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, other people heard about it, and yeah. um, uh, now I probably I don't know how many students I have, but. You know, I've given lessons to people in Japan, Australia, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Berlin. Yeah. There was there was one woman I was giving lessons to, and she had her laptop in the kitchen, <laughs> and I could see out her back window. Wow. And the, she was in Sligo, in Ireland, where my family's from, and there was <laughs> there was this really distinctive mountain uh-huh. out, out the back of her house. Wow. And I was saying, well, I know exactly where you are. This is kind of bizarre. <laughs> well, you know, um, getting paid is a great motivator for learning new technologies. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Take my word for it. I'm, yeah. I'm running a, a, a web magazine. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. But it's great fun to, to yeah. see these new technologies have been able to be used for... Uh, people's entertainment and education and interests and it's great well kevin i think we're going to go out on jessica is that okay with you yeah oh please Good. yeah and thank you very much for stopping by this has been oh, delightful i'm glad to see you it's been, it's been years and years and <laughs> and i'm glad we got got to uh, to to say hi again yeah it's been really great thank, thank you, you.